0: Please be seated. Wonderful to praise Jesus, isn't it? I've been looking forward to uh, coming here today. And about, about a week ago, I was uh, driving to work and uh, I do a lot of thinking when I drive, I actually do a lot of praying, I keep my eyes open, which is probably encouraging, but um, this is probably about the 30th Easter Good Friday service I've done. And over the years, you're thinking, well, how do I, how do I speak about this incredible message? But it's the same thing every year, you're probably thinking that too, right? And, and so I was kind of thinking, well, how do I do this? And I was praying, and as I was praying, I, I kind of noticed something in my, kind of flickering down from my car, and I didn't didn't know what it was. And we've got roof racks, and I thought, well, maybe there's something on the roof racks. And so when I got out, can we see the picture? (laughs) It wasn't what I was expecting. (laughs) I mentioned it to my wife later that night. She says, yes, I saw them. I I walked on my way to work. (laughs) I, I got out of the car, and I'm thinking, what? have I been driving around all morning with a pair of underpants, which they Friday on them? (laughs) And the answer is obviously, yes, I had. And so I thought, when I got out, that I'd need to do some further investigation, as I think we all would. So if we can see the next slide, please. Yes, (laughs) I thought I'd better investigate these things. (laughs) That's actually not me. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, what would you think? what sort of things would come to your mind that if you got to work and you found these had been hung on your car? I mean, the first question I would think you would ask is, whose are they? Or did somebody think I need them? (laughs) Are there other pairs? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. I mean, I have no idea about these things and you're probably wondering too and you're probably thinking, well, Good Friday, how does that really fit in. But I'll be honest with you, as soon as I saw them, I knew what I was going to talk about today. Because there's actually a passage in Scripture that really focuses on dirty underwear. There really is. And I want to show it to you now because it's very, it it really is at the very heart of the Eastern message, believe it or not. It's from the Old Testament. It's from Isaiah 64, 6. And this is what it says. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. I've actually highlighted uh, that, well, two words, but uh, two parts the one is filthy rags. In the Hebrew, it doesn't say filthy rags, it actually says filthy underwear, in fact, it's even more explicit than that. And what it's really saying here is this statement and and when we read it, it, it's incredible in a negative way, it seems, because it's saying that all of us, all of our righteous, the right things we are doing, in reality, Aren't that right? God, through the prophet Isaiah, is saying, they're actually like filthy underwear to me. Now, who's offended? The first time I read this, I thought, surely not. I mean, how how can God be saying that about me? But you have to understand exactly what he's saying and exactly what he's not saying. The conclusion that seems so offensive that I'm worthless, and this is saying that I'm worthless, is not what the passage is saying at all. In fact, God thinks we're of incredible worth, extraordinary worth, but the tragedy of our worth is there's something not working in every one of us that counterbalances that. And what this passage is really saying is in our ability to come close to God and be acceptable to God, we are missing something. And that something we're missing is so great that our action of being right towards God is, in reality, like filthy underwear. It's hard to accept, it's hard to believe, and the great human problem is that we tend not to believe it. We think we're fine, we know we're not perfect... But we think just a little something can maybe get us over the line. It's a bit like this, if we can see the next slide. It's the guy, getting down and proposing, and the girl says, no, and he thinks, what if I throw in a set of steak knives? Will that close the deal? What do you think, ladies? (laughs) I know there's a few of you wondering, are they dishwasher safe? I don't think so, really, okay. You kind of realise that in certain relationships and situations, if it's not the right person, there's nothing they can do to make themselves the right person. But this is doubly the case with God. Can we see it? Next slide, please. Okay. Does anybody believe a bit of steak knife diplomacy is going to sort it out with God? Whatever our best actions are, that we throw in like a set of steak knives. The pun is all intended, it just won't cut it, okay? It is not, yes. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. And so part of the wisdom that God offers us out of love is if we go forward to Isaiah 64, 6 again. Rather than being offended, rather than minimizing what the Bible says, rather than deflecting it and thinking it only relates to other people. Wisdom is understanding the reality of our situation and understanding that within ourselves, we are not capable of making something right with us and God when it's not right now. And wisdom is actually understanding we're in an incredible situation of extraordinary need. We are in a hopeless situation if just left to ourselves. That's where we find ourselves on Good Friday, pondering the reality that on our own we are hopeless now and for eternity. And yet, the incredible numbers of hope that we've got up here, 3.16, are actually from John 3.16. And here we hear God's response, clear and unmistakable to our hopeless situation. He says these words through the Apostle John. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you believe you're okay, and if you believe there's not a problem, and if you believe a bit of steak knife diplomacy can sort it out, you don't need this. But if you come to this place, realistically, of spiritual desperation, where you become convinced that in myself I can do nothing to sort out my spiritual problem both now and for eternity, if you become convinced of that, these are words of hope and of life. Because in these words, we see God's response to our hopeless situation. And the first thing we see is that God so loved us. You're sitting here today, I don't know what you think of yourself. But what God thinks of you is you are of immeasurable worth. And the reason that is so clear and so obvious is because God takes the most valuable person in the universe, his own son, who is dear to him, who he has spent eternity with and who he loves without reserve. He takes the most valuable person in the universe and beyond and says, would you go down there and would you give yourself up And would you face not only shame and ridicule and this incredible, awful death on a cross, but that's just the beginning. And then I'm going to punish you in everybody else's place. And I'm going to make everybody who has an emptiness, a spiritual emptiness, I am going to fill them up with the Holy Spirit and everybody will be acceptable if they receive you. And so... We each have the possibility, if we are willing, to receive the most valuable gift in the universe and to bypass this hopelessness and to live lives that are full of hope. I don't know why you're here today, you may come here all the time, this may be your first time, you never thought you'd hear about dirty underwear. irrespective of why you have come here today, even if you don't understand why you have come here today. God knows why you're here today. And He has wooed you in His own amazing way to tell you this incredible message. That He has given His one and only Son out of love for you and that if you believe in Him, believe in the fact that He's truly God's Son, Jesus, and that He's truly died on a cross, if you believe that and you decide to follow Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, then this verse says, you shall not perish, but you'll have eternal life. Implicit in this is the truth, that without receiving Jesus, we perish, both now and and for eternity this is a great day you thought christmas was good christmas was just the wrapping this is the heart of god's love there's a couple of other verses that even fill this out a bit more god speaking through the apostle john says in 1 john 4:10 explaining these, these words of hope this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for us. We used that word atoning before when we sang that hymn, that beautiful old hymn. Another thought from the same place, just a bit earlier on, is 1 John 2.2. 2. He, referring to Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's like 3.16, just to describe it a bit differently. What does it mean? What does this word atonement mean? We probably know it. It gets used. Can we see the next slide? Well, there's the word atoning, atonement. But the best way to understand it is at-one-ment. At-one-ment. When there are two who are separated, and we are told we are separated by our sin and our rebellion to God, and we can't come close. When Jesus dies on the cross, he resolves the problem of that sin. and where there were two, God and us, we become at one. The death on the cross is the atonement or the atonement. Or if we actually fill it out, this is what it says. The sacrifice Jesus punished on the cross in our place that removes our sinful guilt, enabling us to be totally acceptable to God. And now acceptable to God, God draws us close to Himself now and for eternity. There was a man I uh, had in my church once. And he, he was a bit old and he was a bit crotchety and he started to get ill and his wife and family urged him to go to the doctors. He was quite convinced that all doctors were fools and quacks and they were the good ones, okay? So eventually, after much nagging and urging, he went to the doctor and the doctor told him that he had some medical problem, I don't know what it was, a tumour or something. But the doctor said, if we operate on that, we can fix it, we believe. We've got a very good chance of fixing it. But of course, the man didn't believe the doctor because he thought all doctors were fools and quacks. So his wife convinced him to go and see another doctor who had said exactly the same thing to him. And he rejected that advice because he thought that doctor was a fool or a quack. And his belief was that, I am fine. This thing will go away by itself. And he was right, when he died it went away, (laughs) sad, tragic. He just wouldn't receive the truth that there was something that was a problem that could be dealt with and if it was dealt with effectively then his life would be prolonged and he would live a far healthier life. This solution, the numbers of hope 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This wonderful solution is of no meaning at all if we don't come before God and say, God, I'm in trouble. I accept what you're telling me about myself. And I understand that there are no other solution, no steak knives, no, there's nothing. And that I need to get down on my knees and ask for your forgiveness for how I've lived. And then to receive this incredible truth of Jesus on the cross. I just want to urge you, if you're here today, to receive this truth. It's not something I've made up. It's not something that you should believe, even because I'm telling you, that is the words of God. And they are powerful, and they are true. And when they are received in good faith, when we believe in Him we can be sure we will not perish but have eternal life. Will you join me in prayer? And I'm going to pray a prayer now. And this prayer is a prayer you can pray with me. And there are going to be words in there that will help you to say sorry to God if that's what's on your heart now. And just to ask God for this gift of Jesus on the cross in your place, paying the price for your sins. And if you pray that prayer sincerely, and don't do it because you think I want you to do it, do it because you know it's the right and appropriate thing to do today, for today and forever. Then if you pray these words and you believe in Jesus, then you will be saved. For now, and you will spend eternity with God in heaven. It's totally free. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, I'm sorry I have turned my back on you in the past. Just pray something like that. Lord God, I am sorry I have turned my back on you in the past. Lord God, I believe I am not worthy of your love without Jesus. Lord God, I do not believe I'm worthy of your love without Jesus. Lord God, I want to put my trust and faith in Jesus. Lord God, I want to put my faith and trust in Lord Jesus. I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Just say that. Lord God, I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And God, I want to serve in your kingdom forever. Lord God, I want to serve in your kingdom forever. If you've prayed that prayer today, Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to freedom. Welcome to a future. Welcome to a present. Welcome to somebody who can look God right in the eye and know there is nothing negative between you and him, both now and forever. It's wonderful if you've done that. God bless you.